I'd like to tell you a story, but first, I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of this podcast. I've never met a person who doesn't like a good story, and good stories are as many and varied as the people in them. We often think of stories in the context of books or movies or television, but the truth is that good stories can be found anywhere. And that's why we are so drawn to them, because everybody has a story. You have a story, I have a story, the people you pass on the street, young and old, all have stories waiting to be told. And in this podcast, I'd like to tell you stories. You'll likely have heard of some of them before, but I hope that many will be new to you. Many of the people in these stories will be familiar names from history, but even those whose stories you've heard have more stories to share. I hope you enjoy these weekly stories and Pass them on to others. After all, a good story is meant to be shared. Which is exactly what I plan to do right now. My name is Noah Dieselkamp, and I'd like to tell you a story. I'd like to tell you a story, if you've got the time. You may not know the name Armando Galarraga. If you do know his name, you probably know that when it comes to baseball, he was nothing extraordinary. On the surface, his rookie year of 2008 was pretty impressive, really. 13 wins, 7 losses, with a season ERA of 3.73. And I realize baseball might not be your thing, so... Let me digress for a moment. ERA stands for Earned Run Average, and is essentially the average number of runs a pitcher allows per nine innings, which is the standard length of a baseball game. Naturally, therefore, the lower the ERA, the better. As a matter of comparison, take a look at Clayton Kershaw, a starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers who is now widely considered one of the best starting pitchers ever, and is probably the best starting pitcher of the last decade. Over the past 11 seasons, Kershaw has a career ERA of 2.44, well ahead of the league average. However, in his rookie year of 2008, same as Galarraga, Kershaw had the remarkably average ERA of 4.26, the average that year being 4.32, and he had a win-loss record of five and five. When compared to this, it's easy to see why Galarraga was such a hot topic his rookie year, with a 3.73 ERA and a 13 and seven win-loss record. Galarraga was subsequently awarded the Tigers Rookie of the Year for 2008. To start his sophomore season, he was slated to pitch on opening day against the Texas Rangers, where he led the Tigers to a 15-2 victory. I wish I could say that the rest of his 2009 season was as victorious. But Galarraga's performance began to slump, and he ended the season with a record of 6 wins and 10 losses, and a below-average ERA of 5.64. 
This brings us to spring training of 2010, where the downward trajectory of Galarraga's performance continued. In seven innings of spring training play, Galarraga had allowed 14 hits and seven runs. At this point, Detroit manager Jim Leland had little choice. He bumped Galarraga down to the minor league affiliate team. But hope springs eternal, and in May, Galarraga was called back to the major league in regular season play. Less than two months later, he was optioned back down to the minor league, but only for about a month when he got pulled back up to the majors in late July. After finishing the 2010 season with the Tigers, he was traded to a minor league team and from there bounced from minor league team to minor league team for several years. In 2014, he signed with an overseas team. In 2015, he signed with a team from the Mexican Baseball League and that December retired from baseball. If you were unfamiliar with Galarraga before, you might now be thinking, no wonder I haven't heard of this guy. That seems like a pretty unremarkable career. But most Major League fans who remember Galarraga don't remember him for something he achieved, rather for something he didn't achieve. See, in 2010, in that brief window of May to June where he was called back to the majors for regular play, Galarraga, the same man who allowed 14 hits and 7 runs in only 7 innings of spring training play, That same man did something incredible. Well, almost. And that is why many still remember him. I'll explain. June 2nd, 2010. Galarraga was the starting pitcher for the Tigers against the Cleveland Indians. The first eight innings of the one hour and 44 minute game was neck and neck, a pitcher's duel. But the Tigers had the edge having scored one run early on in the game. Cleveland's pitcher... Roberto Hernandez pitched a truly great game all the way into the 8th inning. But Armando Galarraga was on fire. He was retiring batters one after the other. Each inning was 3 up, 3 down. In the 5th inning, Cleveland's Travis Hafner took Galarraga to 3 balls for the first time that game. And then got out on a caught fly ball in foul territory. Excuse me. At some point, I have to wonder if the Cleveland players begin seeing themselves as being lined up for execution. Galarraga and the Detroit defense waiting like a firing squad on the field, ready to make quick work of any batter who dared come to the plate. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Detroit's lead was solidified by Maglio Ordonez, who batted in two more runs. Immediately afterward, Miguel Cabrera struck out swinging, ending the eighth inning. Now might be a good time to back up and give some greater context for what is about to happen. One of the rarest accomplishments a major league pitcher can achieve is the perfect game. A game with no runner allowed on base for any reason. Hits, walks, or errors. To date, there have only ever been 23 perfect games in MLB history the first of which was logged in 1880 by pitcher Lee Richmond, who played for the Worcester Ruby Legs. Yes, that was an actual team name. Up to this point, where we're talking about, there had never been more than two perfect games in one season. Once in 1880 with Lee Richmond and John Ward, who was a pitcher for the Providence Grays. And once in May of 2010 
when Dallas Braden of the Oakland Athletics and Roy Halladay of the Philadelphia Phillies pitched perfect games only 20 days apart from each other. With only 23 occurrences in all of MLB history, you can see why pitching a perfect game is a desirable achievement. And major league players and announcers and fans are by and large very conscious of this fact. I should also note that baseball players are notoriously habitual, many to the point of superstition. Each batter has routines unique to them that they go through before each at bat and in between each pitch. Adjust the batting glove, tip the helmet, tap the plate with the bat, readjust the batting glove. Fielders make a point of not treading on the baseline or foul line when taking the field or exiting. It's considered bad form to step on the pitcher's mound if you're not the pitcher. These are just a few examples of the unwritten rules and superstitions of baseball, and, as you might expect, these types of superstitions and attitudes extend into the realm of perfect games. An unwritten, superstitious rule in baseball is don't talk about a perfect game while it's going on. If you're in the second half of a game, and one of the pitchers has been lining up three every inning and knocking them down, don't talk about it. Another unwritten rule regarding perfect games, this one not so much superstitious as it is etiquette, is that batters should not bunt in an effort to end a perfect game. All considered, perfect games are enshrined in a very special place in Major League Baseball. So, back to Armando Galarraga. After Cleveland's pitcher retired Cabrera at the end of the 8th inning, Galarraga headed out to the pitcher's mound for the top of the ninth inning. He was potentially three outs away from going down in MLB history. If he could pull this off, he would achieve the 21st perfect game in the history of the league and, along with Braden and Halliday, set a new record of three perfect games in one MLB season. The 28-year-old knew what was happening. Everybody in the ballpark knew what was happening. The first pitch of the ninth inning was clobbered to deep left field by Cleveland's Mark Grudzlinek. The tension in the stadium grew as center fielder Austin Jackson sprinted, catching the fly ball mid-stride just as he entered the dirt warning track. One pitch, one out. Four pitches later, on a 1-2 count, Mike Redmond hit a ground ball towards the Detroit shortstop Ramon Santiago. A simple play. Santiago fielded the ball, threw to the first, in time. Two outs. Enter Jason Donald. Galarraga threw one ball and one strike before Donald put the ball in play. This was it. This was the time. When you watch this play unfold in slow motion, you can see it. These few seconds were the last few seconds before Galarraga and the Tigers took home a perfect game. Jason Donald had hit a ground ball between first and second baseman. As first baseman Miguel Cabrera ran to cut it off, Galarraga hustled the first base to receive the throw. Cabrera fielded the grounder, turned around, and threw the ball to first. Galarraga caught it before Donald could reach the base, and the crowd of over 17,000 erupted in the stands. The perfect game. There was only one slight issue. 
the first base umpire, a well-respected and experienced official, Jim Joyce, had called the runner safe. The mood in the stadium turned immediately sour. There was shouting, booing, and arguing. Galarraga just smiled and headed back to the mound. A few p- pitches later, excuse me, a few pitches later, the fourth and final batter of the inning grounded out to the third baseman, and the Detroit Tigers took home a 28-out win of 3 to nothing. To many, this is Armando Galarraga's legacy. He pitched a perfect game, but didn't get to go down in history for it because of an umpire's bad call. To this day, you can search his name and you'll read articles and opinions about the bad call as well as the fact that the call was not overturned. Overturned calls in baseball is a whole different story. Fans and reporters alike argued about whether or not the rules of baseball needed to be changed or if Galarraga should receive some honorary recognition for the feat. But the fact remained, he didn't get his perfect game. To me, however, all of this is just the prologue, the setup for what came next, and, in my opinion, what is truly memorable. After the game, Joyce reviewed the footage from the game and came to the inescapable conclusion. He had blown the call. That same evening, Galarraga viewed the footage as well and came to the same conclusion. His reaction, quote, nobody's perfect, end quote. Remember what was at stake here. The perfect game is stuff of baseball legends. If you achieve it, you join an elite group that includes the likes of Randy Johnson and Cy Young. Nobody's perfect. That same night, as soon as Joyce had viewed the footage, he found Galarraga and hugged him, sharing a sincere apology. But at this point, what good is an apology? Then again, at this point, what can one do but apologize? Imagine the pride Joyce would have had to swallow to seek out the pitcher who had been mere seconds away from being remembered in the annals of Major League Baseball, only to be thwarted by a poor call, to seek that man out and apologize. Of course, like every day, June 2nd, 2010 had to end at some point, and June 3rd began. Another day, another game. This time, Jim Joyce entered the field to take his place as the home plate umpire. As he crossed the grass, his face was visibly red and his eyes watered. Each team sent a player to home plate to share their lineup card. Detroit sent Galarraga. The two men shook hands and, sadly, many in the stadium booed. Galarraga then shook the hands of the other umpires. After a few moments, it was time for Galarraga to return to the dugout. In the seconds before he turned to leave, he and Joyce looked at one another, and each patted the other's shoulder. Then it was over, and Galarraga returned to the dugout. Armando Galarraga didn't get his perfect game, and Jim Joyce certainly didn't call the game perfectly. But when all was said and done, two men had demonstrated perfect sportsmanship. Galarraga was right. Nobody's perfect. 
To me, at least, the way these gentlemen handled June 2nd, 2010 is a more perfect ending than a perfect game ever could be. Thanks for listening today. The music for this podcast was written and produced by Benjamin Holloway. You can find a link to his website, as well as a transcript of this episode with sources included by visiting my website, bit.ly slash podcast. That's bit.ly slash podcast.